This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ask Brothers Rankcast, an Ask Bros OG, making it two weeks from two, Toby. Now that we're back, doing the original podcast. And uh, Oh How the Mighty Have Fallen. And when I talk about Oh How the Mighty Have Fallen, I specifically am talking about Arsenal fans who seem to have everywhere had a fucking ginormous brain embolism explosion as they somehow come to grips with the fact that a team that was eighth last year and only bought in centre-backs could somehow possibly not just go out and just blitz a a well-organised West Ham team. Don't forget an aging 33-year-old former Chelsea player. Yeah, yeah. I just, I found the whole, like, the whole experience on Twitter and, and on the Arsenal forums and stuff to be just wild. You know, the, the, the hatred towards Burnt Leno. Everyone's need to just have this massive fucking circle jerk about Emmy Martinez and acting like Leno wasn't coming back from an injury and acting like this wasn't, you know, his second game for Arsenal. Uh, granted, Toby, he, he didn't have an incredible game, but I was genuinely astounded by the amount of people saying ridiculous things on Twitter, like, oh, without Emmy, we're, you know, we're going to be a mid-table team. Where, where, where did you... I know you kind of don't take much notice of of shitter and Facebook and fans forums and stuff like that, but you've been in the chat with me and Manny and and Scunny and Ryan. What have you kind of made of the the very sudden change in opinions from Arsenal fans who thought that we were going to win the league and now all of a sudden there's even some Arteta out comments? Well, I I said it to the podcast whore in our group chat that, um, that there were two reasons, and that was clickbait journalism. And millennials mixed together, you know. No, I don't, and I don't everything... know about the millennials when it comes to the, the anyway. Martinez let, comments. Let, let me finish my point. Basically, everything is an outrage. Everything is an instant response. No one thinks beyond the end of their nose. Emmy Martinez was fantastic for us for four or five games, and will be in our hearts forever. But like I said on the pod last week, it's one of those rare transfers that works for everyone. We needed money. He wanted first-team football. We received good money, which we can put into something else. We had a world-class goalkeeper anyway who was injured. And like you said, he's come back from an injury, been a little bit shaky in a couple of occasions, but let's not shit the fucking bed. We finished eighth last season. The transfer window isn't even open. And Arsenal has a history of playing, well, at least in recent history, playing very well against the big teams and stepping up and playing within a system and then not playing particularly well when the onus is more on them. All right? is a fantastic segue, Toby. Sometimes we just segue. Sometimes there's synergies between us, like... We're it's almost like we're brothers, yeah. <laughs> Going back to the well of old jokes once again, Toby. Um, uh, on that, exactly what you just said, the, the, the comment that you just made, I thought that this, if anything, this game proved unequivocally correct what we were saying at the end of last season, which was that with this midfield, with this 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 squad that we have right now and this system 
that we have right now, it definitely lends itself more to Arsenal being passive. And as soon as we encounter teams who don't come at us, who don't throw lots and lots of bodies at us, not only that, but as soon as we end up with long, like kind of droning periods of possession where we get pulled out, able to be pulled out of shape and put men forward and get the midfield forward and get the wingbacks forward, that when we do get broken and when we do get turned, we look every bit as fragile as that. Um, I'm even going back to those Unai Emery teams and Arsene Wenger teams. I will never be that fragile, but yeah. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. I mean, it's possession-based, sterile possession or sterile domination, and then you push everyone forward and forward and forward. And then ultimately, if you don't have the recovery pace, which I'm sure this is where you're going to get to anyway, you get broken and you're susceptible on the counter. Well, you look at those games against Liverpool and Chelsea, Toby. We sat Well, there's guard into my fucking brain yeah. forever. But sat deep in front of... No, I mean the good ones, the, the recent mm-hmm. ones of, of where we won cups, not the, I, the I thought you meant 4-0 within 20 No, minutes. no, no. But I mean, it, yeah. it's it's funny because there's a... like I don't know what the technical word is, like a flip-flop, like where the top becomes the bottom and the bottom becomes the top. What do you call it? Buoyancy. No, that's when you float. I don't really know where I'm going with this, so I'm just going to start again. So there's an element of, if you look back to those like terrible, terrible defeats, you're looking at me like you're fucking retarded. And what, I so am. like o- opposites, like polarity? Yeah, or- yeah, like, you know, when something like, you know, like when magnetic poles, man, and then they switch because there's stuff. I had a whole thing, but it's kind yeah, of gone, you lost gone to the shitter. You're gone to me. the shitter. Um, I do think if you look back, to those Arsene Wenger teams, how we were so susceptible as a possession-based team and getting turned and run over. And then you compare that with what Arteta was doing at the end of last season when people were really waxing lyrical about that midfield and thinking we were going to charge forward. One of them is a possession-based game and one of them is a passive game where we give up possession. Or as Unai Emery would say, you know, we're not the fucking, what what did he say? We're not the protagonists, right? Mm. So... You know, in those games against Liverpool and Chelsea where we weren't the protagonists, where everything was in front of us and we were able to break, it's one thing to look at that squad and say that it's capable. Moyes, and credit to him for West Ham, I actually thought it was a really, really good managerial performance from him. I was on the Clock End Talk preview and we had a West so, so Ham did fan I. on. So did I. We, yeah. had, we had a West Ham fan on. I asked him, I questioned him, you know, is mm. would it just be easier to get Moyes out of it? He said it's got nothing to do with Moyes. And I thought it was a, a very um, old-fashioned Moyes-Everton kind of approach. Great shape, never fell out of shape, absorbed the pressure. And then and then a battering ram up top, you know, yeah. almost like a Timmy Cahill or, you know, a Duncan Ferguson. I don't know if Duncan Ferguson was Moyes era, maybe the back end of his career was the start, but very much so, you know. And, and I, I've, I've got a friend as well, Josh, who's a West Ham fan for life, and we were talking about, you know, what's the point of being a yo-yo club and playing pretty football? You know, why not be a hard-working club? And, you know, he said that they don't play unattractive football, but they work for each other and they they have a very solid system and they, they work fucking hard. And then you've got that. And that's my point exactly, Toby, is that within that structure, within that system, they gave Arsenal countless waves and waves and waves of possession, Wingbacks got forward, midfield got forward. 
and as soon as we got turned, especially in that second half, and there's there's a, a, a tactical reason why the second half went to shit. We'll we'll get to that because it is worrying. Um but you know, as soon as we got turned, all of a sudden we got showed up again for that lack of athleticism, um, that lack of uh, recovery speed, that lack of being able to transition well enough. And as we kind of get, fo- as we as we just press forward and press on with this system, and we saw it uh, if we take the Lacazette goal, by the time Lacazette bangs his head in, there's five people in the box. There's five players in the box. There's one person feeding it outside of the box. And they're like the midfield's up over the halfway line. You know, and we just get hit and just rolled over and 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 like but you I need said, you need numbers in the box to score goals. No, I'm not. So you I'm can't not, not I'm do not, that. I'm not taking away from that. What I'm saying is, for people who thought that that midfield was adequate, where they get found out is when you have everyone engaged forward and you need guys with genuine athleticism to make the recovery runs and go and put a foot in. You mm-hmm. look at West Ham's goal, um, that basically the ball pings out, gets spread. We're highly engaged. Sack is being asked to get miles forward. Um, and, you know, Jack has got to cover a, a reasonable expanse of distance, but still he never gets across there in an athletic manner. He lumbers over there. He holds off on the player, holds off, holds off, holds off. Kalasnak holds off, holds off, holds off. Yeah, I, I've been a late run from Antonio. I've been reflecting on this because obviously I sparked a lot of debate by saying that the central midfield wasn't the problem in this game. But I've been thinking, and, and maybe we can get on to that later. I'll, I'll let you facilitate things. But in that instance, if Xhaka was to rush forward, would that actually make it easier to draw and pass and then pull Kalasinac out of position, who I, was also, let me finish, who was also backing off? So I, I, I think there's a midpoint between what you're saying and what I'm saying. There is getting across quickly and being athletic and shutting down the angle that because there's no one within fucking cooey of Jacker. He runs from the other side. He runs from the other side of the pitch. So I, I, look, if he re- went charging in there and took the guy's legs out and took a yellow, would you be unhappy? Because I wouldn't. Because that's what not Man at all. City would not do. A, they, no, no, they not, just, not at all. They just drag yeah. him down, and so he ends up in this fifty-fifty mode where. Mm. He's not doing the wrong thing by going in and being hot-headed, but he's not doing the right thing by being decisive. And we mm. back off, back off, back off until you essentially invite the guy onto Kalasanak, who's not, a, I think, a particularly technical defender. Like AMN, for example, his stand-up defending in those situations is very, very good. Well, Kalasanak is, is a technical nothing, you know? No, and yeah. uh, and I actually feel sorry for him because I think he's his mind has been broken, you know, what little ability he had. Now he doesn't have the confidence to go with that. And, and to be fair to him, he was rushed in playing left central defender at the very last minute. So, you know, whilst maybe he's actually thinking of a move away, let's, you know, I'm not, I'm not defending his lack of ability, particularly technical skills, but I'm just saying there's, there's other variables in that equation that we should consider. Yeah, and this is where the debate came from because if you look at it statistically, uh, both Shaka and Sabios, a huge amount of passes, quite a large pass completion. A lot of people gave Shaka their man of the match. And for me, I said in the group, it's like fucking Danielson all over again. You've got a guy who's racking up stats, racking up positive stats. And I said on the ball, 
I thought Xhaka was quite good on the ball. Ceballos actually thought had a bit of a dodgy time on the ball, especially in that first half. He grew into first the half. He grew into he the grew game into the second. game in the second half. Yeah. Um, but you know, Xhaka on the ball early on, Aubameyang was making run after run after run, and there's an element still with Xhaka where I find that his passing is very side to side. He doesn't hit the balls quickly enough, but if you're someone who just follows stats and just looks at pass completions, you'd sit there and say he had a really good game. And I mean, you thought that he had a good game, but oh, well, for, for me, I, he was I, a consideration I, for man of the match. I actually gave he, the man of the match to Sabai. Let me finish. All right. And I don't look at stats. I just look at the, the game itself. So I thought if, if I'm going to, I don't want to admit faults, but if I'm going to admit that I haven't considered something, it's it's the defensive positioning or getting caught on the break. So I'll give you that. But I thought the central midfielders in our system, and, and this is where I am going to go hard on that, fundamentally did their job because it's their role to sit and distribute. And I thought they both did that excellently. In particular, I thought Xhaka's di- distribution was brilliant in this game. I thought the faults more lay with the wingbacks that in this particular system, they come in and are part of the midfield four. So West Ham had, what, five in the midfield, three in the centre to over overrun Xhaka and Ceballos. But I actually thought the, the, the biggest negative for us in possession was the fact that our wingbacks in particular, the ball bounced off of them and we didn't retain possession in the way they should. So well, I, I think thought, the, I thought Bellerin had, the, a, Bellerin had the, a poor game again. For sure, for sure. But the metronomic way that Ceballos and Xhaka cycle and pass and distribute, it's not really their job to go forward. We overload, to use an Elliott term, in those half spaces. So it's all about the wingbacks receiving the ball, being technically sound, giving and going back to the central midfield or even the the right or left-sided central defender and then playing little pop-pops and, and give and goes. Yeah. And the thing is you've got a low-touch player like Abamyang, and I'm almost finished, Max. You're going to go through the whole team. <laughs> no, no, you've got a low-touch player like Abamyang, who's part of that lopsided left attack. You've got Saka who's barely played for the last few months, all right? The ball was ricocheting off him left, right, and centre, and he was tasked with, you know, playing, you know, receiving the ball relatively high off the pitch. So a lot of those transitions, which actually exposed Ceballos and and Xhaka, came from our lack of ability to hold possession in those wider spaces. And what I was saying, Rob Holding and Kolasinac, but because we're playing a mid, uh, a back three, they are they are hugely important to the build up play. So the fact that they weren't passing well or receiving the ball well had just as much to do with our poor performances as the central midfielders, who, in my opinion, distributed the ball beautifully. So that's that's the difference in opinion. So where I I differ from you, and I, I think that you're looking at it you know, in my opinion, a little bit incorrectly, is that I have Bellerin and Kolasinac in my worst two players. I also have Xhaka in one of my worst players, right? Mm. So as a system element, 
I still think it comes back to if this is what Arteta needs to get these wingbacks miles forward up the pitch, and that's where the attack comes from. And don't forget that Saka may have had a rusty game, but he's also responsible for the two goals, directly responsible for the two goals. And it's his touch, it's his vision, it's his ability to get in between the lines. Where Bellerin, on that account, I don't know what Bellerin does anymore. He, he hits the first man he, every he time. That's what man. he does. He doesn't attack well. He doesn't defend well. He doesn't provide you with defensive cover. When he gets on his bike, he doesn't look pacey anymore. But I don't want to dig into Bellerin. I think it's becoming easy targets to dig into Bellerin every week now. I just don't think he's there. Where I differ with you is that I don't think that you can say because of the system and because these players are playing up high that you can then absolve Xhaka for being as unathletic as he is. And I, I, I want to make this caveat. This is not me coming out and saying Xhaka is a bad player. I, I, I've stood by this an, up for a long time. He's not a terrible player. It's really windy out here. It's not. He's not a terrible fucking player, but he is in that system that Arteta is trying to play, which is getting the wing backs forward. You cannot have someone with that little athleticism, that inability to get back. And now I'll explain to you why it went to shit in the second half. And I think it went a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for, like a little bit unlooked at, right? But in the first half, Willian off the right was pulling into the midfield, pulling in between, in behind Lacazette and was actually creating an additional player in the midfield that stopped West Ham from overloading the midfield. Willian was getting back, running into his box. There's a moment, I wrote it down, I think it's like the 40. 44th minute or something like that, where Arsenal lose a transition up on the box and Willian ends up in between the two centre defenders. Actually mm. ends up bypassing, running past the defenders, running past Ceballos, running past Xhaka and ending up getting back there. Now, when Willian comes, comes off for Pepe is when we completely lose control of that game. And it is really... I, I agree. I agree. really, I, really worrying mm. how quickly our shape Look, we, we looked like we were in a little bit of trouble for a lot of that game. And whether that was, like you said, rustiness, the ball bouncing off Saka, uh, it, it definitely, like you said, it wasn't and to like do... And like I said... It, it wasn't to do... No, fuck you, I'm not having that. It wasn't yeah. to do with um, Xhaka and it wasn't to do with Ceballos on the ball. No one is sitting there and saying what they did on the ball was 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 garbage. I thought they both had the moments, thought they both did okay. But the really worrying thing is when you pull Willie at out of that team, and all of a sudden you get an overloaded midfield, it's like watching an old-fashioned Arsenal team. It's like watching Arsenal with an Ozil in it. From, Arteta. From, from, yeah. It, it's, Arteta it, it, getting it, it, exposed as fuck. As the, and and this, this is actually quite funny. I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but I was hugely critical of Arteta back in the day, all right? Not that I didn't love and appreciate him, but I was hugely critical of his lack of athletic ability. These pop-ups fuck with me. They just don't make me lose read my... them and get on with it, Toby. Anyway, anyway, so, but I was critical you, of, of his eater dick was his lack of athleticism, the fact that it was give and goes all the time, you know, the ticky-tacky, the triangle stuff. And then on the break, and I remember in particular a Crystal Palace game where Arteta actually got sent off and we went on to lose the game. You know, and I think it's that type of exposure where you're being so critical, and a lot of people are, of Xhaka and Ceballos, if you want to bring that in together, but more so Xhaka. So it's it's quite systemic. If you leave someone there who's an excellent distributor, 
but is lacking athleticism, they are going to get run, overrun. Which is, which, and, is what it, which is what it comes back to, Toby. There is a massive requirement still. The requirement that has existed for the last 10 seasons that does not cease to exist today. Right, You require runners and athletes in that midfield. Now, do I believe that you could create a cohesive midfield that includes Jacker in it? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be ecstatic with it. I don't think he's a wonderful player. I've said many times, I think he's a 7 out of 10 player at best uh, because of his physical deficiencies more than anything else. But this is the thing I just keep coming back would to you now. Have, like, would you have Torreira there that can't head the ball? No. No, I'm saying we have to go fucking buy people, Toby. I'm saying all these people who got their massive fucking heart we'll on get now. Three, and we'll get three because, in midfield. Well, I think ultimately that's what Arteta wants to do. And I think this is where it's it's really worrying with Arsenal fans, them saying, oh, you know, well, Arteta's got the wingers too far forward and it's exposed in the midfield. Well, what the fuck is Arteta meant to do? Right? He doesn't have the midfielders to play a midfield three. Well, you've still got to score goals. And, we, and we, went, the thing. We, went back, we went back to a back three because we weren't secure enough. Then you're telling me you don't want to be a back three, even though we're not a back three, we're a back we're a back four. I would say we absolutely need to be a back three at the moment. I but think we're, we're, not don't... Even a, we're, we're not even a back three when we are a back three, Toby, because the, the, it is so fluid and so visibly fluid now between fours and threes that for me it's like how many different times do you want to keep going back to the well and saying, okay, well, let's coach these guys. Let's get them better. You cannot coach physical attributes. You can't coach them. And this team lacks some physical attributes. And can I tell you where it gets most highlighted that the team lacks physical attributes? Saka coming in for AMN. Because we missed AMN's physicality and we missed his athleticism in this game, even though Saka's maybe more technical. Uh, I, I think Saka's pretty technical. I think he's bigger than we think because he's got a baby face. I just think he was massively underdone. I'm not critical. When I say the, the ball was bouncing off of Saka, I'm not being critical of his final third ability. I'm not even critical of his technical ability. What I was saying was that a lot of our play and possession broke down with him because he was so underdone. You remember Arteta saw that he was redlining. He was in the red zone towards yep. the back end of last season. Do you remember he played every single game in the catch-up games? And then after he'd signed the new contract, he had a rest. You know, he basically hasn't played for the best part of three months or or whatever it is. So I just thought he looked, I thought he looked underdone. Yeah, look, no doubt. Do you want to have your little say on what I what I touched on before? Just about Willian, again, I, I thought it was a, a really good performance from him. Obviously, didn't come in with the assists, but as far as shape and what he's doing for our shape with this particular system, um, mm. it, does this get harder and harder for Pepe to fight his way back in the team when, as you agree with me, our shape just got absolutely destroyed once Pepe came on and hugged the touchline? Yeah, look, I, I'm still not sold on Pepe completely. But I think he, he has shown glimpses that he can get there. Right now, Willian has come in and he's ready-made, he's hardened, he's battle-hardened, he's Premier League ready, and he performs multiple roles. Whereas I feel Pepe only really performs one role, you know, and that's dribbling to create space and, you know, push inside on his left foot. He's, he's, Pepe, I guess, is quite a release valve in his own way, but the rest of his game 
doesn't really open up a lot of space. He gets knocked off the ball easily. You know, he can hold it up and pass back, which is great because it gives us another option. But he doesn't provide the not enough drawing of defenders for me and certainly not enough in terms of the press and the defensive side of the game. So I would say that Willian has been brought in to give a bit of a nudge to Pepe to say, this is what you need to be. These are elements of the game that you need to improve on. And it creates competition. So, you know, I don't even think there's there's any negative argument. Willian's come in to the negative, make... The negative argument is the amount of money that's been spent on Pepe. That's not Pepe's bought, fault. And, that's, and no, that's, no, no, no. I'm yeah. not saying that it's Pepe's I fucking know. fault. I'm I saying didn't... that regardless, the money has been fucking spent on him, which means the money hasn't been spent somewhere else that we require. And it is very worrying that we yep. bought in a 32-year-old and it's not even about what he does on the ball that, that works towards Arsenal shape. It's about the areas that he occupies off the ball as much as that and where he pulls into and where he pulls defenders okay. into. Well, that is I'm going to go a new... Okay, I'm going to go a new place with this, all right? So let's let's drag the discussion somewhere else. Do you, you know how I always talk about partnerships, all right? So I don't think a front three of Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe work because Ever. you don't, Ever. you know, you've got players that are too low touch. You've got Lacazette who, you know, who is too slow for me to cover the ground. You know, he's not... You know, I think he's a decent striker on the end of things, but but that's man probably of, man, of match, man of the match for me. Yeah, not for me. But you know, and and then you've got Pepe, who's quite slight. He's struggling physically. Um, certainly doesn't do the sort of total football style of things that that we need in the um, you know, in in what's required in um in the Premiership in the in the most recent era. So I I think you've got a front three that that aren't working harmoniously very well together, whose attributes perhaps don't really gel or suit each other. Um, I was absolutely screaming for Inketia again, not because of his goal scoring ability, but because of his ability to cover that space and put pressure on. You know, and if you've got a dynamic, you know, let's say Inketia and Willian really hustling and bustling, that's going to open up space for Aubameyang to get on the end of things. Mm. Look, look, I, I agree. I I agree with you wholeheartedly that Pepe Aubameyang on either wing doesn't necessarily work because there's a, a lack of physicality there. Aubameyang is such a low-touch player. You go and apply on the other side a Willian, who is a very, very, very high-touch player, also very technical, technical in tight areas, wants to pull into the center, wants to run deep mm. and has a massive mm. motor. Mm. It mm. naturally just changes the system with which Arsenal play yep. and it allows Aubameyang to sit there and buzz and hum. It also allows you to overload the left, knowing that Willian's got the work rate to move in and out of the channels yep. on the right, which you don't get with Pepe. You tend to get Pepe runs up yep. and down the channel. And the strange thing is, I think Pepe is most effective when he's running an Aaron Ramsey line. And that's that late run into the box onto the penalty area for that first touch left very, finish. Very good point. That he's like got, the, whether that's like from the, the edge of the box. Yep. Or the like the disallowed goal against Chelsea. 
Yep. Was it Chelsea? Yeah, and he nearly hits yeah, one Chelsea. in this game as well. I, yeah. He nearly hit. He nearly yeah. hits this one as yeah. well. I think it might be Lacazette yeah. that doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't. And and, and because of and because of those players, it puts even more pressure on the wing backs in particular to be creative. All right. So we massively missed Kieran Tierney linking up with the wing Huge. back because he because Huge. he overloaded. From out the back as well, yep. compared to so, so you've got now. I know I keep saying it, but you know, Saka basically assisted and pre-assisted in this game, but overall struggled. Bellerin has been struggling forever. You know, you're not getting any like assists or goals from that. So there's a huge onus on our wing backs in this system to be creative. So when you've got players that aren't creating something from nothing like your Abamyangs and your Lacazettes and to an extent Pepe, you know, it puts more pressure on the creativity elsewhere. So, you know, it, it's it's quite a difficult thing at the moment and there's a real balance. But this is this is the balancing act of management or football management because you don't have every player you want. It's not and like this, this is where those midfield signings, those types of players need to come into effect. Uh, and I think this is where, you know, at the start of the show, I was talking about, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans really just falling off the edge of a cliff as if as if this was so this was so unimaginable that Arsenal could go, could have West Ham come to them, sit in a shape that they struggled to break down. It's so unimaginable that it happened because, you know, we, we're going to win the fucking league. You know, we finished eighth last season for a reason. A lot of that reason came back to our midfield. It came back maybe a little bit to our our solutions around wing back areas with Bellerin out seemingly falling out of. What's, there's what's so, the, there's, hold, there's hold, so hold many I factors. I said this to someone online. I, I wanted to get it right about Bellerin. I think I was talking to Troy, and Troy was saying to me. He likes Bellerin, and I said to him, "It's never been a question of whether I like Bellerin or not." Mm. It's a matter of Premier League, modern day Premier League wingers are built in a certain way to do a certain job. And I don't believe that Bellerin fits into that category anymore. And I, Bellerin post injury as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. he looks small and he looks unphysical. And I guarantee you, if and we he let always Bellerin, was, but he was I quick. Know, yeah. But if we let Bellerin go to Italy or if we let Bellerin go to France, he will look a very good player. That does yeah. not mean everyone needs to sit there and say, oh, Jesus, what have we fucking done? No, you know, no, I know. I know. We've let him go. What have we done? You know, Ainsley yep. Maitland-Niles is the modern day wingback. Big, athletic, strong, you know, going to run, going to get up and down, going to do everything that he needs yep. to do. Yep. Um, on to the Lacazette thing, Toby. You and I really, really saw that performance differently. That, for me, was Lacazette's best game in an Arsenal shirt in a very, very, very long time. And it's not because things came off for him. It's not because he had this uh, amazing game where he was involved in everything. But all I look for with Lacazette, all I try and get out of Lacazette regularly, is just that he's going to go out there and he's going to bash defenders. Now, I thought that he fucking bashed those centre-backs. I thought he threw his weight around. I thought he hurt them. There's a couple of times where there were centre-backs skittled on the fucking ground because Lacazette had gone hard in for balls and hit them, left an elbow in, left a head in. Have you listened to anything I've said or did you actually go away? Everything. Everything. I was just taking a, I was just taking a wee. Anyway, 
I couldn't work out whether you just fucked off and I was talking to myself or not. But anyway, no, no, you, you did well. You did for well. me. It wasn't about the reason why I gave Lacazette man of the match was because for me, primary role for a center forward, right? Get your goal. Secondary role, occupy center backs and bash them. Primary role and secondary role, he fucking did it, right? The third part of his game, which is his link up play, first, I actually thought he held the ball up quite well under quite trying circumstances it, it's it's very hard for a center forward to win everything that comes to him he's not fucking andy carroll he's not seven foot nine you know he's a different type player but i did think that when the ball came to him he held it off quite well where i think a lot of people started uh pulling lacazette's performance apart was actually between the 60th and the 72nd minute when he came off when he was blowing out of his fucking ass and fucking up all of his passes now for yep. me lacazette Eddie Nketiah, I'm not fussed, one or the other. I feel like they both, at their best, offer different things. But all I've been asking for from Lacazette for months and months and months is effort, grit, and go out there and fucking bash your centre-back and let him know you're there. And I thought he did that. Also, I thought his header was fucking smashing. You obviously had more of an issue with him not linking or not distributing Toby because you thought he was crap and I thought he was nearly best part of man of the match for the first 60 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, you speak passionately about it, so I certainly shouldn't dismiss it. And, and maybe negative three last week I gave him. So never let it be said that I don't... I don't. No, no, no. I, I, look, I, I understand. And, and maybe maybe I, I have my own confirmation bias. Maybe I'm looking for things because I have a frustration with the player. So, you know, I'll, um, I'll certainly admit that. Um, I felt that the cross was on a plate and he absolutely fundamentally should have put that away. So, so for me, sometimes the goal it's scoring, it's not a tap in that, Toby, the goal scoring. And this is why I often don't, always give um, a bank a Bamiyang positive points in our system is because sometimes, you know, the goal scoring is the least you should do, you know, it's about the overall performance. So my frustrations with him are a lack of link up play, a lack of ability to pass the ball well, running behind, you know, dropping too deep, a lot of those things. And I think for me, because I actually don't see him and lack of, um, him and Abamyang linking up particularly well, even though there was that period of time they were playing in the front two. I actually don't think they complement each other that well. So I just wanted to see something different. I'll completely accept your um, rating of him and, you know, perhaps I'll go back and have a look. But I think overall I'm frustrated with um, with his link-up play in particular. And uh, here's, my, here's my main point, actually. I, I've just... Um, I've just remembered it takes a while to get the grey matter firing. There was, because we try and play a counter-attack system so much, I actually feel that his attributes are completely unsuited to that. So I remember we were on all, under all sorts but of pressure. this wasn't a counter-attack game. Let me fucking finish. This wasn't a counter-attack game. This wasn't a counter-attack game. It was a possession-based game. It was in the second half. We had 70% possession in the first half. We had like 55, uh, sorry, the, the other way in the second half. We had very little possession. So there was a release valve situation and we, 
you know, the ball spilled out. It was cleared. There was a quick, like, give and go, ball over the top. Lacazette was in space. You had Aubameyang screaming down the right, and then you had someone else on the overlap as well. Might have been Pepe at the time. And the lack of pace from Lacazette at that time, and then the fact that he doesn't have that pass in him. And he tried to hit a long diagonal ball across. And this, you know, this is what we're set up to do in this system is to absorb and then counterattack with blistering pace and and ability um, in the final third. And unfortunately for him, he was just so unsuited to that. And he tried a diagonal ball. It didn't even get close, even though, you know, I've, there were players said, open. I said in the points description, Toby, I think there is a real question around Lacazette's fitness and the fact that he can't seem to fucking keep it together for more than His suitability to, to our team. This is what I'm yeah. saying. I, yeah, I feel like Lacazette... I don't think you can diminish his performance in the first half because the game changed in the second half. We We lost control of the midfield. We went deeper and deeper and deeper. That's on the manager to look at that and say, okay, because I thought Eddie should have been on 12 minutes earlier. I wanted Eddie okay. on at the All right. well, I thought the writing was on the fucking wall. Yep. Well, let me, make this, let me make this point, and I think we can find a resolution to this discussion, is that my frustration was with Arteta not bringing on Eddie sooner because I felt that that was really necessary. And the fact yeah. that we had to wait till the 73rd minute for him to come on yeah, when Lacazette was gassed and he ceased to be suitable to how the game was playing, that's where you need more agile management. Which, so, which, if, which is where what I was saying about why I was impressed with Lacazette in this game was because yeah. it was an attitude that I had not seen out of him and he was being a fucking battering ram, which in a possession-based team is really important. Like you go, yeah. you you occupy centre backs, you jump into them, you hurt them. Mm. It's like so many people have said, you know, it's a very un, it's very unrewarding role what he's asked yeah. to do and what Eddie's asked to do in the modern game. Yeah. And I do yeah. think that there is a place for both of them. And I do think that in a in a tactical. Well, so do I, because um, Abamyang doesn't play in the centre. Yeah, I've got notes in my phone from sixty minutes saying, "Great game from Lacazette. He's gassed. He needs to come off." Yeah, like just, on just, take, yeah. just take him off at fucking 60. You know, it's it's done and dusted. Um, yep. yep. Another strong performance from Gabriel, Toby. I think I wrote in our comments, he's a fucking brick shit house, and he headed, smashed, and bashed everything out. I saw a lot of people having a go at, at, at um, Rob Holding. I actually thought Rob Holding was quite solid defensively i think he's very limited athletically and the more i watch him the more i start to worry that he maybe doesn't possess the passing ability that he may that that you may require in an arteta system yeah and and in a back three in particular yeah because you're playing as a pseudo midfielder half the time and i think that's where gabriel did so well because there was probably less pressure on him distribution wise but i also feel that gabrielle is quite good distributionally um but i felt distributionally a word i don't know i made it up it sounded good and then but i think holding really struggled under pressure gave the ball away stop looking it up and then (laughs) so and then so did um kalasinach of of course so i think holding probably did okay but it's a word 
Yeah. So the requirements of that particular position, which is why Arsenal and Arteta tend to favour ball-playing centre-backs, you know, means that, you know, that that's where that's where Holding struggled in the game. So, you know, I think I think there's two ways to analyse his performance, but unfortunately, um, passing and distribution is an important part of that particular position. So I don't think he was that good. Um, so basically, Arsenal two wins from two. Uh, I think a lot of the I, I think a lot of the madness uh, around the Arsenal fan base. I mean, it's not like it's anything new with with a lot of this a lot of these guys that. They see a game where we we don't create as much, and people start calling for Mesodurs. Like, give yourself a fucking uppercut, right? I, I'm like, I'm I'm done. So we're so we're talking about work rate and pressing up yeah. top to help out your midfield and and yeah. you know other areas on the pitch, and you're talking about a lazy like swan around, do some nice flicks and touches, look very pretty on the ball, do the occasional like little flick or or nice through ball. Get how many how many assists did he get last year? Like like the square root of fuck all. Of fuck all, yeah. Just no, it, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing how the modern Arsenal fan how their brain works because they sit there and they say, "Oh, we struggled to create opportunities." The only way you can fix that is by bringing in Mesut Özil. I would argue the only way you can fix that at Arsenal is by bringing in wingbacks for a start. Can I just say this? Getting Tierney into his natural fucking position as a wingback. Right, I'm. I'm not. I've. I've said this over and over again. Get centre backs to play centre back, distributing centre backs. I know that the system is being geared to allow Tierney to play there and allow Tierney to get forward. But Tierney is the most technical crosser of the ball at Arsenal. He'll stand one up to the back post. He'll fizz one in. You, you look at Kalasinac's fucking crossing. You know, it, mm. it's it, it's absolute mm. garbage. All he's got is mm. get to the byline and blindly yeah. smash one across the yeah. face. It's it's I, it's a little bit like um like Monreal in that back three because they both have the tenacity to play in that position and they're both technically quite secure and their passing is good. The one thing I don't mind about Tierney playing left centre-back is because the left wing-back and in that lopsided system is pushed so forward, it's it's more of a left winger. And then they overlap and Tierney makes those combinations with Abamyang and let's say AMN or Saka or whoever's playing there. And he still overlaps and he still crosses. And yeah. I think and I think missing Tierney for this game was the biggest part of our abject performance in, just, in my ju- mind. Just because you can know Toby doesn't mean you should. Just because Tierney can play as a centre-back and in a system he can get adequately used there, I would still rather see Tierney in some of the positions that Saka was in. And I would rather see Saka used as you know, a, a more attacking player or in a different system altogether. I, I, sometimes I worry that Arsenal fans get so caught up in system that they say, well, this is the only system that we're going to play. So now we have to go by midfielders to pick to suit this particular mm. system. We've got a fucking yeah. million Premier League games, FA Cup games to play, mm. Europa ga- games to play in but fuck nowhere. There's going to be yeah. ample game time for all of these people. The mm. important thing is that we get out we recognise that the same issues still exist. The issues that existed last year were that we didn't have 
enough centre-backs or enough quality centre-backs. Check. Gabriel looks like he's a fucking diamond. Apparently, Saliba played very well in the under-21s. Thank you. Well done. The gaping fucking mass that is the hole in Arsenal's midfield that stops us from playing four at the back is a lack of athleticism in the midfield. And whether that is a Thomas Party or whether that is a, 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 a war, whatever the fuck his name is, a raw, right? We still need to fill one of those two positions. My other thing is it's time to end the Bellerin experiment. I want to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles given an entire season as first choice. If you give him an entire season as first choice, you let fucking Cedric Suarez back him up. You tell him it's his spot. You back him. He seems like a fellow who maybe needs his balls tickled. He, he seems like a guy who maybe needs to be the main guy. I, I just wonder if you take the roadblock that is Bellerin out of there. And like I said, this comes from a place of love. Mm. Got nothing against Hector. I like Hector. I was calling for him to be Arsenal captain when he was coming back from injury. So there's, there's no, um, I, I don't no, know. No, there, there, there's no ulterior motive no. or agenda. Yeah. Purely from a yeah. football perspective, the modern yeah. wing back is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He's big, he's robust, he's fast, he'll get up and down. I'll tell you another interesting fact, and you and I covered this last year. Pepe plays a whole lot fucking better with Ainsley Maitland-Niles behind him. Than he Combinations, plays champion. Combinations, mate. They fucking make Rubik's cubes. You got to get a yep. whole side of yep. white, and they and did. They can. They connected beautifully last season. You know, and even way back I, with um, fucking Emery days, or uh, or, or whether it was Freddie era, they were yeah. connecting really well because both of them are quite comfortable on the ball in tight spaces. They draw defenders in over towards them on the right, and then pop, pop, and then we released into the centre and the left side of the pitch. So, you know, maybe... Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Look, look, Toby, yeah. for me, for me, that's it. I want to see the three centre-backs be the three centre-backs. Louise is going to come back into the team. I'd like to see Louise, Gabrielle, and Holding, maybe, based on who's fit at the moment, be given a good run. I want to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles off the right. I want to see Tierney off the left. At the moment, we have Xhaka and Ceballos, and they are our best two midfielders, and I think they would get less overrun with Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Kieran Tierney in there because they both got fucking motors, and they'll get yeah. up and down. Um, yeah. You know, Willian, sure. Ha sure. Willian has to start and continue to start. Mm. Lacazette or Eddie, flip a coin for me. Would I like a better striker than both of them? Yes, but, you know, beggars can't be chosen. Let Aubameyang do his fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, all in yeah. all, Toby, three points we struggled through it we still managed to create we didn't play well uh, and still got the points um and i guess you know a couple of games into the season that's all you can ask for can you see the shape that arteta's trying to get them to play in yes it's the most visible shape i've seen at an arsenal team for a very very long time can uh, i add one one point before yep. before we finish is that good teams win when they play badly so at least at least we got that done. It was a bad performance, but we got it done. And that's very, very un-Arsenal. Very un-Arsenal. Um, so, guys, we're, we're trying to get these out 45 minutes. They're quick. We're, Toby and I are going to talk over each other, tell each other to shut the fuck up. But this is very much the, the phone conversation that Toby and I have after every single game, including the telling each other to shut the fuck up. Which started uh, this whole bullshit in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, uh, I may be very, very quiet over Twitter for a period of time. I The Ask Bros account has been permanently suspended 
by Twitter for another offence. And basically, I called Tim Sherwood a cunt with a cunt face, uh, which is not the first time I've had a suspension on Twitter for calling Tim Sherwood a cunt. Um, but this time, Twitter has had enough of me. I think it's my third strike. And they have essentially permanently suspended the account. But through my own legal recourse, I have constructed this letter to, uh, to Twitter. And I'd, I'd like your feedback. Dear Twitter, further to our previous correspondence on the matter listed as Aspro's rant account suspension, reference 000GD8000. I would like to add, that having spoken to the particular team member responsible for such said post, we have discovered that he is suffering from a mental condition exacerbated by COVID lockdowns and has shown much remorse to his comment. He was of the opinion that calling Tim Sherwood a cunt, <laughs> that calling Tim Sherwood a cunt was to a friend and an inside joke. Granted, this does not diminish the fact that it was a poor use of the English language, but he has reiterated that it was in no, me no means meant to be hate-filled. Again, we would ask with some leniency upon this account to allow us to resume our Twitter. Toby, I've done it again. Well, what can I say now, apart from you do have a mental illness, and to... <laughs> To exacerbate that, you're a fucking retard. So there is no more to say to that. But I mean, may maybe maybe my words are incisive, and now I become a menace to society and very, get removed very, as well. Very, I mean, if you are going to get kicked off Twitter for anything, calling Tim Sherwood a cunt with a cunt face is is an acceptable way to get kicked off Twitter. It's it's fairly accurate in in my mind. Did you think my uh, did you think my legal retort to Twitter? Do you think that they will look at that and they? I will thought it was. I thought it was beautifully worded. Obviously, you know, you don't have spell checks, so you when you verbalize something like that, so it sounds it sounds quite it sounds quite intelligent. Yep, yep, brilliant. All right, guys. So don't follow me on Twitter. Um, follow one of the other boys for a while. So uh, same old Aspro Ryan. You can follow. Uh, at Mike Scunny, you can follow, and hopefully we'll find a way of keep getting uh, these podcasts, these podcast video casts. I don't even know what they're called anymore, champ. But yeah. hopefully we'll find a way of getting these out to you in the future through some means. Otherwise, I'll open up a new account, and all you fuckers can come and follow me there. And 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 the best content gets censored anyway these days, so you got to find us. That's true. That's true. Tim Sherwood is a cunt with a cunt face. Good night.